Welcome to the Akeen Mind Podcast. My name is Jude Johnson, and I'm a licensed therapist and mindfulness meditation teacher. And most people struggle with stress and feel overwhelmed when they can't keep up with life's demands. And that's why I teach mindfulness and meditation, because it truly helps people find more joy and peace in life. This is episode number 20, Gratitude, Embracing the Ups and Downs of Life. Wow, life is really amazing. I mean, we really never know what we're going to run into to challenge us that's going to cause us to feel fear, to wonder whether or not things are going to work out or not. And in this episode, I'm going to explore how to use mindfulness to work with these fears and challenges. And I'm going to illustrate this through a story that's actually true. And this just took place through this major snowstorm that we had on the East Coast. So after I share the story and the way you can use mindfulness to work with your fears and embrace life and have gratitude, I'm going to offer a guided meditation. So I so appreciate you all tuning into the podcast, listening, all the ratings and reviews that you've provided me. I truly am very grateful for that. And if you have been a listener for some time and you're thinking about leaving a review, please go on to iTunes and tap the review button and give me that five-star review. And in exchange, I will send you a guided meditation of the lake meditation. And this is to be done in a reclining position or lying down, and it can really help bring a sense of awareness into the body. And if you happen to be in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, please visit my website, akeenmind.com, and register for the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction class. That is the eight-week class that was developed by John Kabat-Zinn. And in this class, you learn systematically how to develop a mindfulness meditation practice. You'll be given MP3 guided meditations for each class, home practices, and every class lasts about two to two and a half hours in length, and there is an all-day retreat that's included. Now, I want to let you know that this class is offered on a sliding scale, so high income, 450, medium income, 350, low income, 250. However, no one is turned away who can't pay $250 because I want to make this class accessible to everyone. So I hope that you all are doing well today. Um, or whatever time it is that you're listening to the show. And I'm going to start off by telling you how all this came about. I was taking them up to the mountains in this farm cabin that was right near Winter Place Ski Resort and planned to spend the weekend there with a great friend of mine, Jonathan, and his eight-year-old son, Jackson. The trip was fairly smooth, didn't run into too many snags, and when we arrived there, um, I read through the directions that were on my phone, I punched in the code to get into the cabin, and we unloaded all our things and prepared to have a fun time. We were still waiting on my friend Jonathan and his son Jackson to arrive. They were coming from Cincinnati, so it was a little bit further. And so in the meantime, my youngest really wanted to go explore the other part of the cabin, which was really detached. It had a gym below and it had a bedroom on top. So I thought we would go ahead and play outside for a while too. So I suited them up with coats and everything and bundled up. 
And we went out and went over to the other place, explored the gym, then went upstairs and looked at the bedroom. And then when we came back down, um, I realized that uh, I left my phone in the house. So I went to go get back in and couldn't get in. I punched in the code that I had remembered and still couldn't get in. Then I'm getting a little bit nervous because I can hear the lock moving back and forth, but I'm not able to open the door. So I take the boys back over to the house, uh, to the bedroom where the, the garage is upstairs, and I turn on a little space heater, and I say, you know what, guys, just stay here for a little while. I'm going to run over next door. You can see the house with the light on there, and I'll probably be gone about 10 minutes. So I walked over there, knocked on the door, and it's dark. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, these people aren't even going to answer the door. I'm not going to be able to get in. What am I going to do? So I had to breathe and just try to stay calm. Didn't want to appear too nervous to either of my boys who were a little bit nervous. Like, how are we going to get in? The guy knows the owner and I call and they give me the code and I say, well, you know, I've been punching in that code. I remember the number. And they said, gosh, I don't understand what the problem is. And he said, well, if you can't get in, I guess I'm going to have to drive up there. I'll be around there, up there about 11 p.m. I thought, oh, my goodness, these kids are going to be so tired by then. I have to figure out a way to get in this house. So I went back over to the cabin and actually back and forth a few times to make calls to the owner to try to figure out if there was any other way or if I could even break into the house. The kids were getting thirsty, all our water, everything was inside. My car keys couldn't get in. I'm trying to keep them calm and just taking moments to pause, breathe, reassure them that everything is going to be okay that our, our friend Jonathan and Jackson are on the way. They should be there in about an hour. And I'm just racking my brain trying to figure out a way to do this. So eventually, I realize, well, at least the television in this bedroom works and I can turn on something for them to watch. So I do that. They get distracted a little bit. And by this time, it's been close to an hour, and I go all around the house looking for any way to get in and finally find this little tiny flap that's covered by a cinder block. Ah, I move it out of the way. I'm able to get in, unlock the door. Huge relief. Okay, now this isn't that big of a challenge, right? Now, I was able to solve the problem in a little over an hour, and it helped that I was able to stay present so that I could continue to explore rather than just get angry at the owner for not having another key or, you know, just completely lose it and say, oh my gosh, you know, what am I going to do? I'm just going to call the police. That wouldn't have really solved anything. Anyway, the owner was going to have to drive up. So the owner was actually on the way up there when I figured out a way in. I called him, let everything, let him know everything was okay. My friend Jonathan showed up. Everything was wonderful. So we had a great couple of days. They went sledding. They went hiking. We had a great time. And we knew there was a storm coming. And I've driven in the snow quite a few times, so I wasn't too nervous about it. But maybe I didn't pay close enough attention to the weather reports because it turned out it was a really big storm. And it snowed all night long. And there had to be over a foot of snow the next day. So as long as the snow was there, we decided to let the boys do some more sledding and enjoy their time, pack up, and we got on the road. Now, admittedly, I was a little bit nervous because there's a lot of snow on the road. And I stopped at a gas station, filled up, 
got some windshield wiper fluid um, that was for negative 20 degrees, wiped everything off, and went ahead and said our goodbyes and got on the road. Now, it was heavy snow coming down hard. The, the roads had barely been plowed, and I was moving along at a slow pace. And admittedly, I thought, oh boy, that you know, the GPS says there's all these delays. It's going to take me more like four or five hours to get home when it's really a three and a half hour trip. Oh boy. So embrace that. Just take your time is what I'm telling myself. And along the way, I, I, you know, my son Henry and Carter are both starting to get hungry and they say, hey, you know, we need to stop for lunch. I'm like, you're right. So I see an exit, I pull off, and right in front of me, there is an 18-wheeler jackknifed, and I can't get off the exit. So I go straight and then attempt to make a right, which is illegal, but I, I did it anyway, and started to go up the hill and got completely stuck. My eight-year-old kind of notices what's going on. He's like, oh, oh no. And then I notice that I'm getting a little bit scared, but I'm trying to hold it together and breathe. I pause, I look around me, what is there to do except for put it in reverse, back up, fortunately I could do that, and then I was able to luckily get back on 77. Now at this point, um, I just tell the boys, I'm saying, hey, here's some snacks, here's bars, here's this, here's that as we're going down the road. Um, we're not going to be able to have a traditional lunch, but I do have stuff that we'll be able to stop later and hopefully have a, a, a real meal. And they were cooperative. They listened to me. And as we were going down, my windshield wipers really got iced up and there was nowhere for me to stop. The snow was so bad that it had covered where the windshield washing fluid was coming out. So I couldn't wipe my windows off and I couldn't really see that well. And I'm going down big hills, and as I approach the North Carolina border, I'm in Virginia. And if you've ever driven down 77 through this area, you know these hills are really, really steep. And at one point, I will never forget that in every direction that I looked was white. I couldn't see any other cars around me. I couldn't see the road. And I felt panic and fear set in. My eyes were darting right to left, just looking for any sign visually of where the road might be. And I just kept breathing, even through this panic. I realized I was panicking. I wasn't saying anything out loud to let the boys know that I was. And my son, Carter, in the back said, it feels like we're floating. And it really did because there was no objects around us to really orient us to any kind of space. And I really felt lost at that moment. I was scared. I was so scared because not only for my own life, but worse, the lives of my kids. What was I going to do if I lost control or somebody else hit me or I go off the corner of the road and can't get out. I'm sure there's so many other accidents. And by the way, as I'm driving through here, I'm seeing car after car on the side of the road. And as I'm seeing all these things and my eyes are darting back and forth, I'm gripping the steering wheel. And it's just so scary. And in those moments, I'm like, oh, you know, what am I going to do? And finally, I felt a little bit of relief. I finally saw another vehicle 
I'm able to breathe a little bit. I intentionally try to soften my shoulders, try to bring all my awareness to what I'm doing to stay on course. We make it through these big hills. I avoid some major calamity, and all of a sudden, we come to a beautiful stop. Now, I know that doesn't sound beautiful, but after the fear of feeling like I'm just like floating in a blizzard, coming to a stop and seeing all these other vehicles felt like a huge relief. I was able to get out of the car, clean off the wiper blades, add more fluid. Ah, relief. I could feel more hope. I'm going to be able to make it through this. And as we're sitting there for a while, I finally decide like, hey, what else can we do here? So let's get out in the snow and play. And the boys were happy (laughs) to agree to do that. They put on their boots, their snow gear. I mean, at first, of course, we weren't there yet. You know, at first we were like, how much longer is this? I'm, I'm looking up like what's happening. And, you know, I talked to one guy in here that there's two 18-wheelers turned over and there is going to be at least another hour or so to clean things off. So we play in the snow. We have snowball fights. We build a snowman. We're running around, playing, having fun. And I was able to embrace this because I felt so grateful to have two healthy boys there to play with. You know... Who would have imagined that we'd be on the side of the road off of I-77, you know, throwing snowballs at each other, laughing and playing. And when we got back in the car, when traffic really started to move like three hours later, my youngest son, Henry, said that was the best part of the whole trip, throwing snowballs at each other off the interstate. I mean, I think these kids are going to remember this forever. I certainly will. It just made me so grateful that, you know, sometimes we go through waves of fear, impatience, fatigue, and then joy. But if we can embrace each one of these states and be mindful through them, I think it can really help us appreciate what's going on and maybe make wise decisions. Now, I'm the first to say probably wasn't a wise decision for me to drive. If I would have looked at the weather report a little bit closer, I probably would have left the night before, um, or I would have stayed. But fortunately, made it all back home and came home, unfortunately, to a house that didn't have any power. Now, with all of that, I was still happy because I was at home and I was safe. My family was safe. I was able to remember in that moment what really mattered. And I think that that's what's so important for us to do. We have to remember what really matters. And sometimes challenges like this can remind us how trivial the things are that we get upset over. Like, oh, I'm stuck in traffic for a little while. Wow, you know, I was stuck in traffic for nine and a half hours for what should have been a three and a half hour drive. But it wasn't even being stuck. It was just making it out okay and for my kids to be okay that really instilled the sense of gratitude in my heart and my mind. And it wasn't easy, and I didn't do it perfect, and I don't expect anybody to do this kind of work perfectly. But when we can remember what matters, we can have gratitude. And that's my encouragement for you this week, is to see where you can find gratitude in your everyday life and to appreciate 
what is. Because you know what the truth is, is that it could always be worse. I've worked with so many people that have told me it can't get any worse than this. I'm at bottom. And then they come in and I'm like, I thought I was at bottom, but now it's worse. It could always be worse for us. So if we can turn our attention to what's working in our lives, how can we find the joy? How can we find a way to learn to dance with the difficulties in our life? It's not always easy. (laughs) Actually, it's rarely easy. But with practice, we can train ourselves to be more in tune with joy with love, with gratitude for the life that we have right here and right now. So I want to invite you now to think about how my story relates to your story. What challenges do you face? What fears might be coming up or have you been dealing with lately? How could you bring a sense of mindful awareness to these challenges, to these fears? Can you look for the positive? Can you look for what is working despite the negative or challenge that you're facing? What is it like if you do? Notice. It's not going to be perfect. But maybe we can learn to ride the waves of our experience, embrace them, have gratitude for this life so that we can enjoy it and really appreciate it. You know, I really do appreciate this challenge that I went through because it actually made me more grateful for my children, for my own life, for my safety, for just even being at home today. Fortunately, a good thing was is that work was canceled today so that I could be home with them and even cherish them more after this experience. So let's transition now to a meditation. Just make yourself comfortable yet alert. Bringing awareness to the body. Seeing if you can allow the body to be just as it is. Perhaps soften a bit. Softening the body maybe just 5 or 10%. Not forcing anything to happen. Notice gravity act on the body holding you here. See if you can allow the body to be just as it is. Accepting the body and the mind just as it is. The parts that maybe are tense, tight, uncomfortable. As well as the parts of the body that are soft, at ease, and at peace. Making room and space for your experiences to be just as they are. Perhaps allowing the posture, if you're sitting or standing, to become dignified, alert, so the shoulders come up, back, and down. Allowing the chest to raise, and allowing the breath to come all the way down in the belly.
And then bring to mind what your intention is for practice. What really matters to you in your life? What's important? Is it love, freedom, peace? Feel confident, healthy? Just whisper these intentions or say them aloud to yourself. May I be, may I feel. And fill in the blank or blanks that make sense for you. Happy, peaceful, safe, loved, free. Or if nothing arises, just notice nothing arises. There's nothing to do about it. No need to judge. These intentions are like setting our compass in the direction that we wish to go. We don't have to make anything happen. We're just acknowledging our intentions and what matters. Softly letting go of these intentions and allowing the awareness to rest right with breathing. Just watching the breath flow in, watching the breath flow out moment to moment. Seeing if you can be aware of the full in-breath and the full out-breath as you're present. Noticing what happens when the mind wanders away from the breath. Acknowledging where it tends to go. To a familiar thought, story, image. Just acknowledging what's on the mind or where the attention is being pulled and then inviting yourself again and again to come back into this moment with this breath. Noticing the soft touch of the breath. And expanding awareness to include the body as a whole, breathing. Noticing the subtle movements that take place in the body as you breathe in and out. Watching the body fill with breath, fill with aliveness. And then watching the body naturally let go, let be. Again, watching the body receive the breath and fill with aliveness and then emphasize the out breath letting go slowly gently softening the body as you let go and just breathing naturally not needing to think about the breath as you've been doing it your whole life you're just witnessing the breath moment to moment We'll move the attention now away from the breath and notice the bottoms of the feet, perhaps where they're touching the surface beneath you, maybe the heels, 
maybe where the foot is touching sock. Letting the bottoms of the feet be just as they are. Noticing the big toes on both feet and all the toes that follow all the way down to the pinky toes. Sensing, feeling what you can. And allowing the awareness to work its way up to the tops of the feet. Noticing the sides of the feet, the outer sides, the insides of the feet, the backs of the heels, just above the heels where the Achilles tendons are. Finally, noticing the ankle joints, seeing if you can sense and feel them from the inside. And then expanding awareness from the ankle joints to include both feet as a whole. Seeing if you can sense and feel them from the inside out. Letting them be. Remaining curious to what you're able to sense and feel. And then allowing attention and awareness to settle in the ankle joints. As you gently, kindly draw awareness up into the legs, noticing the shins, the calf muscles, all the way up into the knee joints. Noticing what you can here. Not being too concerned if the attention is pulled to another body part, simply notice where the mind goes and come back to the lower legs. And then allowing the attention to settle in the knee joints, the bend of the knee, noticing the kneecap, the backs of the knees, the soft tissue here. As breath by breath, we draw awareness up into the upper legs, noticing the muscles, the bones in the upper legs inner, outer thighs, all the way up into the hip joints. Letting be. Noticing the buttocks, the pelvic region of the body. Letting be. As breath by breath, we bring awareness upward into the belly, seeing if we can allow the belly to be soft and undefended, just like a toddler. Perhaps noticing the breath in the belly. Gently, kindly drawing awareness upward as we begin to notice the rib cage just above the belly. Becoming aware of the vital organs behind the rib cage. Letting be. As we draw awareness upward into the chest, the sternum, 
Noticing the heart, the alive space that's here. Taking a moment to really sense and feel what you're able in the heart. Often a place where emotion is carried and felt. See if you can allow your heart to be open, receptive to this moment. Perhaps having gratitude for this beating heart, keeping you here, sustaining life. Taking a moment now to consider a few things that you really have deep gratitude for in your life loved ones, experiences that you've had. Anything that you appreciate, bring it to mind. Don't worry if it seems silly or insignificant. If it's coming to mind, it's significant. Notice what it's like when you're able to allow the body and mind to experience gratitude. Softly releasing these images or thoughts of gratitude that you have. And draw awareness upward into the space of the shoulders. Sense and feel what you're able here in the shoulders. See if you can allow them to drop and be at ease. Perhaps imagine the shoulders are like blocks of ice melting. Ice to water. Perhaps allowing the shoulders to fall away from the ears a bit. To be even 5 or 10% more at ease. Imagine the water turns to gas, so they become even lighter. From the shoulders, we allow awareness to expand to include the upper back, the vertebra, muscles, shoulder blades, letting be. Noticing the middle of the back, the rib cage here, the vertebra. Letting be. As breath by breath, we draw awareness down, noticing the lower back, the vertebra here, the muscles. And finally, noticing the back as a whole. Letting it be. Now you're invited to place awareness and attention right in the space of the hands. See if you're able to notice them from the inside out. Warmth, coolness, tingling. See if you can allow the hands to be open and receptive. As you gently, kindly invite your awareness to work its way up into the wrist joints, the forearms. Noticing, noticing the elbow joints, being aware of the biceps, triceps, all the way up into the tops of the arms where they meet the shoulders. 
Noticing the arms as a whole all the way down into the fingertips, allowing them to rest just as they are. As you're invited to move awareness now to the space of the throat, envisioning your awareness inside the throat and slowly expanding to include the neck as a whole, letting be. Breath by breath, drawing awareness upward so that you can feel and sense the oval of the face, the skin of the face. See if you can allow it to be soft. Allowing the forehead to be smooth. Noticing the eyebrows. Noticing the eyes, the eye sockets, the cheeks nose, lips, noticing the jaw and seeing if you can allow the muscles of the jaw to relax and open, notice the tongue as it rests in the mouth and see if you can allow it to relax all the way to its base. Bringing awareness to the head as a whole, resting on top of the neck. Being curious to what you're able to sense and feel. Letting be. And to begin to sense how this body is a seamless whole so that the neck and the head are connected to the shoulders to the arms, to the torso, to the pelvic region of the body, the legs, all the way down to the feet. See if you can allow this body and mind to be just as it is. To slowly move attention to breathing. Letting yourself be aware of the in-breath and the out-breath, moment to moment. Giving yourself permission to accomplish nothing, to get nowhere, but just to sit, lie, and breathe. Embracing this body and mind just as it is. Having gratitude for the life that's here as your present. We'll take a few more breaths from this space right here. Give yourself the gift of coming out of the meditation softly and gently.
Thank you all so much for listening to the show and tuning in. Just as a reminder, if you have questions that you would like me to answer, please reach out to me. My email is jude at akeenmind.com. I would love to hear from you. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Take care. Until next time.